I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. Right then, who's up for the cup? Carabao clashes across the land over the past couple of days. There's something about that competition that either provides that soothing relief or intensifies the heat. And perhaps it was the latter for Wolves as they were beaten from 2-0 up by Championship High Flyers Ipswich Town. The old gold stuck in a rut and they've got Manchester City at the weekend. And crisis? What crisis? Manchester United majestic at times against Palace last night as they kicked off their defence of the trophy with a sparkle. This is the award-winning show, Football Social Daily. Join us through the week for discussion on all of the big talking points. Hitting subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast platform ensures that you'll never miss a show. My name's Niall McCorn and they are Man United fan Joel Tudor and Newcastle fan Marley Anderson. All right, chaps? Good day, good morning. I always say good morning then I realise that people around the world are like listening to this. It could be, it could be any old... I was Any just thinking thing. that yesterday. I was editing yesterday's podcast and I was like, it doesn't matter when we record the show, Marley always says good morning. I say, I picked a lot up for footy training last night and it was nine o'clock and I said good morning. I was like, oh, he probably thinks I'm a weirdo now, but... You're just... not very much a morning person as it is. Not really, no. Well, I noticed you just said good day then and I wonder that... Good day, mate. Yeah, I just wonder whether that's because we spoke about Ange Postacoglu yesterday or because we've been working on a new project with Mitchell Johnson the fiery, fierce Australian fast bowler has got a new podcast series out with us. So go and check it out. It's called the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. And Mitch, who was this big 
angry fast bowler on the outside is actually quite a soft soul on the inside and the podcast dives into his life his career we'll be speaking to some of the people that he terrorized along the way and some of the people that inspired him as well on that podcast so go and check it out it's available now on all platforms mitch is joined by acclaimed cricket journalist barrett sunderason so go and check it out if you're a cricket fan and hear the thoughts of mitchell johnson one of the world's best left arm fast bowlers in his day but we're here to talk about the carabao cup a competition which Manchester United are currently the holders of. But before we talk about events last night at Old Trafford between United and Crystal Palace, I wanted to start by looking back at the fact that Wolverhampton Wanderers were 2-0 up against Ipswich Town, only to then concede three goals in quick succession and lose 3-2. Gary O'Neill's team are in a bit of bother at the moment, aren't they? They obviously drew with Luton at the weekend. They got a dodgy decision when it comes to the penalty. They had a man sent off down to 10 men. They've won one game this season, that was against Everton, and it seems unlikely that they're going to win this weekend against Manchester City at Molyneux. So in terms of the way this competition can work for momentum, positively and negatively, I guess we saw an example of the negative side of it last night for Wolves. Yeah, it's um, it's it's just one of them them things, isn't it? With, with Wolves at the minute, they don't seem to be able to catch a break. And, you know, last night, I think they were, were they 2-0 up in, you know, 10 minutes or something like that, absolutely flying. And you're thinking, right, Wolves are going to get some much-needed momentum. You know, you can only beat what's in front of you or whatever. But they look like they're going to put Ipswich away. And Ipswich are flying in the Championship. You know, they walked League One last year. um, And they're they're en route to come up again, like back-to-back promotions. Um, But then in true Wolves fashion, it's just all came crashing down. And they've lost the game 3-2. So it's... um, it's one of them where it's almost an unwinnable situation because if you win and you win 2-0, 3-1, 3-0, whatever it is, you sort of go, ah, it's only only Ipswich, it's all right, you know, it's nice to win, but we're on to bigger things in the league type of thing. Um, and if you lose, it's an absolute disaster, really, because some fans say, well, we could have had a cup run. Uh, other fans say, we just need to bloody win from somewhere. Um, so it's it's a situation now for them where People might start to look at Gary O'Neill um, and start to think, you know, was he was he qualified for the job? Um, you know, was he was he uh, the right man to to overtake Julian Lopetegui? Even though, you know, everyone knew the situation, but is it uh, is it right for for the long term thing? Because. I think I said at the start of the season that I think Gary O'Neill did a good job at Bournemouth because he already knew the players um, and they were used to him and they just wanted to prove that they weren't crap when Scott Parker called them all crap. Um, And that's where it's different coming into a squad. You've got to prove yourself with results and, you know, things are on the slider a bit bit now for, for Wolves. I think what's interesting is what Gary O'Neill actually said post-match at Portman Road, Joel, which was... The Ipswich looked like a team that had been playing together for a while and they knew how each other worked. As Marley said, they obviously did really well in League One last season and they've started the championship season really well. But from Wolves' perspective, it looked like a team that had just been thrashed together and the players didn't really know each other. There maybe wasn't as much cohesion as he would have liked. And then he also went on to say that everyone knows the problems at Wolves. Everyone knows that the reason that he's there is because... Julen Lopetegui decided that he didn't want to stay at Molyneux and the club's issues off the field have been documented in the press through the course of the summer as well. So he kind of knew that he would be up against it. And this is one of those obstacles that he's been faced with. Yeah, let's not forget 
Wolves have lost their two best midfielders in the summer, which was Ruben Neves and, and Mateus Nunes. So to lose the main core of your side and to come into a team that is really disjointed, has lost a manager that they probably thought would be there for the short or medium long term, is a difficult job as it is. And not, and again, Ipswich Town are no poor team either. Kieran McKenna has come in and made them such a solid side after being Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's assistant and kind of having a, let's say, negative reputation to then go to Ipswich and do what he's done has been amazing. But for Wolves, it's been so well documented of the difficulties that they've had off the pitch, whether it's the influence of agents or the influence of different people pulling the strings behind the scenes. I mean, I feel like they've just really splundered a lot of money and they've got nothing really to show for it anymore. And the fact that they've had to sell to buy and there's not really been many incomings as it is anyway. I mean, they've had to bring back Doherty, who they sold a good three years ago and I don't think he's still up to scratch anymore. All these little transfers that I just think are really, really poor for the team that they're trying to build. So Gary O'Neill is up against it as soon as he's got in there and I feel for him because he's not really been able to spend as much as he could. And like I said, he's got such a gaping hole in that midfield, which has pretty much propped them up for the last couple of seasons, especially Ruben Neves. I mean, the fact that he was such a big and influential player and even joined from Porto at the beginning to then remain there and then all of a sudden go to Saudi randomly, I think it's poor that they've not been able to replace that massive hole in the midfield. So this season's going to be, I think, such a long one for them. Well, they've had issues with injuries as well. And as you said, Joel, players being sold to other clubs, which I think the Wolves fans probably knew would happen. But in terms of their Premier League form, one win and one draw, the win was against Everton and the draw was against Luton. So if we are expecting Wolves to be in a relegation fight this season in the Premier League, Marley, at least the points they have taken have been against sides around them. Because as I said, they're not probably going to get anything against Manchester City at Molyneux this weekend. But the sides below them are... Bournemouth, Gary O'Neill's old team, Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United. Yeah, I think um, that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. I think there's a lot of poor sides that can that could conceivably go down this season. Um, and when you compare them to Wolves, I think Wolves have got the, 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 the better quality. Um, Wolves have got players that can play. You know, Pedro Neto is, is very, very good. Kalidic, I think, would score goals. Huang chips in a little bit. And you look at the teams around them and think, like, you know, if, if other teams are down there, like Fulham or Crystal Palace or Everton, you know, have they got that talent? Um, I'm not really sure. So I think they'll be I think they'll be all right. But, you know, I think they're, they're helped by the fact that Luton are, are way out of the depth in this league and Sheffield United as well. And, and Burnley haven't quite found the feet either. So... When you've got three strong favourites for that, you just kind of have to be as good as the next best, sort of the 17th best team and the 16th best team and, you know, Everton and, you know, Fulham and a couple of players, and Bournemouth, for example, you know, it, it becomes about are you better than them and can you pick up points off them when it comes down to March, April and there's four points separating, you know, those teams. If you can beat two of them, you, you, you know, you pull yourself away and I think that's what it'll come down to because I can't see Wolves sort of stitching anything together long-term consistency-wise. Um, and especially not if they played Dan Bentley in goal because he was absolutely shocking last night and he proved very much why he was a second-choice goalie with uh, with two two 
simple mistakes, I think, for, for Ipswich's two goals. You really think? I thought the first one was a good finish, actually, at the near post by the Ipswich lad. I know he leaves a big space there, but... He, leave, he leaves the space, yeah. He, there's no way he should get beaten by that. Um, that type of strike. The second one's just lettuce wrists. And the third one's an absolute pinger from uh, <laughs> yeah. John Taylor, which is an absolute beauty. Yeah. But, you know, it's two two mistakes like that. And that just piles it on, like I said before, you know. Oh, God, we're, we're out the cup and, you know, we're getting beat by championship opposition. And I just think it's a bit... Uh, it's a bit daft to play your second choice goalie in a game where a win is 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 important for momentum as much as anything so are we expecting wolves to be in a relegation fight then joel is that what you're anticipating this season because they've still got decent players and when i look at the squads that are down there and around them do they have better players than everton i'm not sure possibly Probably do have better players than Bournemouth, Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United, though. Honestly, when I look at the promoted teams that have come up, they are just so far away from the pack. I I feel like Burnley are the closest ones to probably potentially staying up, and that's purely because they've got a like-for-like compared to Sheffield and Luton, probably a little bit higher quality, and they've also spent a little bit more than them. But with Wolves, it's weird because I've always associated them with being such a strong unit and a strong side, especially under Nuno when he was there. They were such a difficult team to beat. And now they just look so open and quite disjointed in, like I said, losing such key personnel in midfield. But again, when I look at this season and the promoted sides, I feel like Luton and Sheffield are just destined to go down. I genuinely don't see any hope for them at all. And I think that 18th spot is probably up for grabs for absolutely anyone whether it's Everton whether it's Wolves whether it's any other side around that area last season that was hovering around it they're easily susceptible to going down but I definitely think those first two places are just so cemented with Luton and Sheffield unless they can miraculously have a a final eight game spin which we always see at the end of the season where they end up beating Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and then go to Old Trafford and getting a result if that doesn't happen then I genuinely don't think they're going to stay up okay then Wolves beaten knocked out of the Carabao Cup there are some interesting games tonight as well Liverpool host Leicester City who should really be a Premier League team they were relegated last season but they're leading the way at the top of the championship And one result last night which stood out also was Manchester United decimating Crystal Palace and playing really well to boot, particularly with all of the noise off the pitch. I'm not sure too many people expected that at Old Trafford yesterday. We'll talk about it next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. This is FSD Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. Marley and Joel are with me. And yesterday we spoke about the issues that Manchester United have off the field, in particular Jadon Sancho, and how Manchester United needed a reaction. Because when things are going bad for you off the pitch, you kind of need the results to come on the pitch, Marley, to take the fans' minds away from some of the other issues. What Manchester United fans just want is a team that play proper football. And last night we saw that. I think that was a really good indication of the style of play that Eric Ten Hag wants from his side. They beat Crystal Palace convincingly, a 3-0 victory. They've got them again in the Premier League at the weekend. But as much as Manchester United are capable of that sort of performance, was anyone really expecting it to be that fluid after what we've seen off the pitch recently? Um, Probably not, no. I think... um... You know, man, one, watching Man United at the minute is a struggle. Um, and on a Tuesday night in a Carabao Cup match against Crystal Palace, it it was one for the purists type of thing. You know, you've got to really love football to sit down and watch that for two hours. Um, but they they played well. They looked um, they looked much more threatening. Got a couple of players back. I think obviously Mount um, coming back into the team. Amrabat making his debut. Give give the midfield a bit more energy. Um, and even Martial. Woke up to to score a pretty good goal, so um, you know I I, I seen a tweet <laughs> that said uh, yeah cheers Anthony we'll see you in January when you pull your hamstring or something. Uh, it's like reverse hibernation with Martial, isn't yeah. it? You'd expect him to come alive when the winter balls are put away and you know the clocks go forward or whatever it is, and then here here he is on the the verge of October with the clocks about to wind back, sunset <laughs> before seven o'clock. Yeah, but uh, man, you would. Uh, we're pretty good, although I suppose if you if you said, do you want to win the Carabao Cup uh, match against Palace or the Premier League match, they'd probably say the Premier League match to get to get some sort of uh, momentum back on track. But you know, we'll see what they do at the weekend because you know Roy Hodgson, the tactical genius, might have uh, worked out exactly the antidote to uh, to counter Sofiane Amrabat and Casemiro and all the rest of them. So we'll have to wait and see. Well, you're the United fan, Joel. Amrabat, as Marley says, came in, started the game and actually played very well. At left back, which was quite a surprise. Um, it was funny because he did an interview after the game and the interviewer said, why were you at left back? And he said, because I said to the manager, you can play me wherever I'm needed. And I think Ten Hag literally took that quite very literally and said, OK, we'll play at left back then. <laughs> I don't think all these players always do this cliche, oh, I've not got a favourite position, just play where the manager wants to play me. 
No, you do have a favourite position, but you just want to say that to kind of appease everyone. Everyone knows what their position is. But yeah, in terms of the whole performance, I was really impressed. I think it was more so just a really vital confidence booster because any time at United, whenever the chips have been down, the best way to get the fans back on side and to get the feel-good factor going again is bringing the kids. It's the simplest way to do it. And I think a lot of the kids made a really good account for themselves. I think Hannibal had a really good game. Garnacho got a goal. Dan Gore coming off the bench looked really at ease in midfield. I was really impressed with him. So we've got a good, nice crop of youth coming through at the moment, which I'm really pleased with. And I just, I think a special mention as well for Mason Mount. Who knew that the Pompey lad would have such a good game on his return? I think even though he's played 45 minutes, he made a really good account for himself as well. A couple of assists from that long injury spell. So it was just more so than anything, good confidence booster to go into that Saturday game against Crystal Palace and hopefully continue this momentum on into the next few games. Do you think that we will see a repeat performance this weekend? Because after matches like that, Marley, in the Cup, and I know it was a much-changed Palace side, the likelihood of it being the exact same are slim to none, in my opinion. You know what it's like. You play a team in the Cup midweek. It's totally different come three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. It'll probably be a much more cagey game. Palace will have a different side out with different intentions. And for Manchester United to string two performances of that quality together back to back is not something we've seen often in recent times either. Yeah, no, it's um, you always see this this type of thing where sometimes teams play each other in quick succession, or sometimes three times if it's like a two-legged semi-final or something like that. Um, and you tend to get three different results and uh, or two different re- results. But in reality, Man United, where's the game at the weekend? Is it Old Trafford? In reality, Crystal Palace shouldn't be getting anywhere near Man United at Old Trafford at any point. Um, so, but I suppose that's the that's the question around Man United. It's the consistency. We've seen they can do it against Palace. You know, the teams might have a, a couple of changes or whatever, but not from Man United's perspective. I would say it'd be be a pretty similar start in eleven. Um, so we'll we'll see if they can put them away again at the weekend. So proof's going to be in the pudding, I suppose, but. There's no reason why they shouldn't be easing Palace aside quite quite comfortably, really. Manchester United through to the fourth round of the Carabao Cup as they look to defend their trophy. I wanted to quickly touch upon, before we move on, on Pep Guardiola's comments about Calvin Phillips. He says that he's failed to get the best out of the former Leeds midfielder since he signed him in the summer of 2022. City paid 45 million quid for him. There were questions over Calvin Phillips' weight, Joel. Do you think that maybe there are now more question marks over why Manchester City made that signing? Or do you think that it's partly down to Calvin Phillips not being able to step up to the level? Because in this interview, Pep Guardiola has almost taken responsibility upon himself that he hasn't been able to A, get Calvin Phillips as fit as he would like, and B, when he has played, get the best out of him. The simple answer is that he's got the best holding midfielder in the world in front of him and he never gets injured. The only time he ever is out of the squad is like this weekend where he's suspended for the game. And whenever he's needed, Phillips has been injured or like Guardiola said last year or I think it was this year, overweight when he's returned from pre-season. All these different issues. I I understand Guardiola's trying to take responsibility to say he should have maybe tried to integrate him better, but... It's so hard to get into a side that is just so competitively packed 
I mean, even when you look at the forward line, Jack Grealish can't even get to get into the side at the moment because Jeremy Doku's playing incredible on the wing or Bernardo Silva or Phil Foden's had time out on the bench because Bernardo Silva can't be displaced on that right side or in the middle. So it's not just the fault of him. It's just the fact that when you are such a top team and you're going for all these competitions and their injury record is very good as well, it's so hard to displace, especially Rodri, who is just ridiculously good at the moment or for the last couple of years now. But again, when Calvin Phillips went to City initially, I think a lot of people were thinking, is this the right move for him? Because he was almost the big fish at Leeds, one of the standout players there. And then to go to Manchester City, it almost reminded me of when Wilfred Bonney went to City. He was incredible at Swansea. And then he just couldn't get into the side and displace Aguero because Aguero is just so flipping good. It's just similar scenarios. I, I question these these players' agendas and mentality going to these teams. I understand they want to compete for the best trophies, but are you going to have a hand in that at all, really? Well, there's the title for today's podcast. What does Wilfred Bonney have in common with <laughs> Calvin Phillips? <laughs> Apart from the fact they both played for Manchester City at some point. I think what's quite telling, Marley, is that Rodri is now suspended for the next three games after being sent off for violent conduct. So basically, Calvin Phillips has got an opportunity to get some game time. His four starts last season, I think, all came at the end of the campaign when Manchester City had already sewn up the Premier League title. And maybe that's an indictment of where Pep Guardiola sees Phillips in his plans right now. But if he is going to get a tune out of him, it kind of has to be now. Because as Joel says, Rodri has been outstanding. We spoke about him last week, I think, on Football Social Daily and praised how good he's been. Yet, Calvin Phillips has now got an opportunity and it'll be an interesting test to see where he is at. I thought that. And then I, then I read these quotes and I was like, well, he's not getting a game, is he? Um, it doesn't seem like, I think Kovacic is back now as well. So you're probably going to see a midfield base of, of Kovacic and Nunes and, you know, maybe even Ake or someone in that defensive midfield role type of thing. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a, been a nightmare on it really for Phillips because yeah, he's won the Premier League, the Champions League and the you know, the treble and, and everything, but he's not really played a part and that will that will eat away at him, I think. Um when as it might do now, he might you might think he's not part of it now. He might be resigned to to leaving and already looking at his options and I don't blame him for doing that because I don't I don't begrudge him making the move to Man City because there was there was a chance there was logic behind him going that he could play and he could step up into a into a, a Guardiola type player because Bielsa and Guardiola are kind of similar in their philosophies. So he said in his quote, didn't he? I, I, I can't get out of Calvin what what Bielsa could. Um, and I don't know why that is, and we will probably never know why that is. It's probably because Bielsa had to work with him and he had to make what he had better. Um, whereas Pep can go. Yeah, the shortcut to this is going and signing Rodri. Or the shortcut to this is just, we, we used to have Fernandinho and we're going to have Rodri for the next 10 years. So it doesn't really matter if you don't improve Calvin Phillips. But Bielsa had, people don't remember that Calvin Phillips was on the very fringe of the lead squad when Bielsa came in. He wasn't in the first team. He was literally on the transfer list, ready to go. And Bielsa seen his energy and he's seen a bit of quality and made him into the player he is. Um, so I don't begrudge him for, for, for challenging himself, making that step up. Um, but 
it hasn't worked and he'll probably go to a mid-table Premier League club and, and be a decent player for them. I wonder whether Calvin Phillips will get some game time. We'll have to wait and see, of course, this weekend in the Premier League. Next up, though, on Football Social Daily, I want to put these two through their paces in a bit of a quiz. We've reached that time of the week, middle of the week. So Joel and Marley, get ready. You're going head to head next on Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. If you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast platform, or it might be follow actually if you use Spotify, then that way you'll be able to download a new episode to your device as soon as it's ready. You'll be sent a notification and you won't miss any of the podcasts. Now, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that every now and again, I like to put Joel and Marley through their paces with a little quiz. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. Now, these two boys didn't know that this was coming. So there's been no prior research. There's been no getting their heads in the game, no mental preparation of any kind. They're going in cold. And my first question is, have any of you used Google today? Not not for this, because I didn't know it was coming, but... Depends who's asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, if you have used Google, you would notice that there is a big number 25 on the Google homepage as Google celebrates its 25th birthday. So I thought I'd do a quiz. A Google-themed quiz to do with the Premier League. You're going to take it in turns and you're going to get three lives each. I'm going to ask you if you can name me any of the top 20 most Googled Premier League players from the year 2023 so far. Reckon you've got that in you? The most, the top 20, top 25 most Googled. The top 20, top, the top 20 most Googled Premier League players this year so far. So from January okay. to September this year. And you've got, it's, it's a three strikes and you're out thing. So you go back and forth. If you get three wrong, okay, that's it. You lose the game. If we run out, we run okay. out and you can call it a draw. Yeah. Everyone happy? Let's go. All right, who's going first? Joel, you want to go first? As the reigning champion, I'll go first. I was going to say the same thing. You can go first because your, <laughs> your streaks are meant to uh, come to an end. <laughs> All right. Go on then. So any of the top 20 most Googled Premier League players of 2023. And you need to you need to get your thinking hats on here. We'll start off with Erling Haaland. Yeah, correct. Second on the list, Erling Haaland with 138,323 monthly searches. Over to you, Marley. Mo Salah. Salah is not on the list. <laughs> Unbelievably, Mohamed Salah is not on the list of the most Googled what? players of 2023. So that is one strike. I'm not joking. How jo- is he honestly, not on the list? You're joking. I'm not joking. So Jesus. Marley, I've got the list in front God. of me here. I'll send it to you boys at the end and I'll read you some of the names that maybe you don't get. But unfortunately, Marley, that is... In fact, my... <laughs> he said it was such conviction as well. Oh, well. I was convinced that... I'm just going to check the list again. What a terrible what a terrible quiz. No, Mohamed Salah is not in the top 20. So Marley, you're already on a strike, unfortunately. Oh well. Go on, Joel. Back over to you. Oh well. Marcus Rashford. Correct. Marcus Rashford is fifth on the list. 87,364 monthly searches. Back over to you, Marley. <laughs> well, that that's through me now, so I don't know. I can't say anything with any conviction anymore. <laughs> Uh, Kevin De Bruyne. 
It's not on oh the list. <laughs> He's been injured. Why are people not Googling him? <laughs> He's not on the list. Oh, oh, oh my word. God. Kevin De Bruyne is not in the top 20 of most searched Premier League footballers in the year 2023 on Google. That is two strikes in two guesses, Marley. That's you are awful. bang up against it. Now, Joel, it's back over to you. Comfy start for you with two from two. Jack Grealish. Is fourth on the list with 111,000 searches. I'm thinking, am am I not applying logic by naming (laughs) two of the most famous players that have ever, and best players that have ever played in the flipping league? (sighs) Declan Rice. Is on the list. 11th. Yes. 57,026 monthly searches. Well done, Marley. You're clinging on. You can't afford to get another one wrong. Over to you, Joe. Comebacks on. Harry Maguire is sixth on the list with 84,409 monthly Google searches this year. I like your logic here, Joel. I think I can see your game plan. Exactly. Back over exactly. to you, Marley. Um, let's go for... <laughs> oh, this might go, I might be wrong now. Uh, Bakayo Saka. Just squeezes in 18th yes. out of 20. 47,381 monthly Google searches this year. Well done, Marley. You needed that. Just crept in there. What about you, Joel? Um, let's go for... Martinez. Is not on the list, Joel. That's your first strike. Lisandro Martinez or Emmy Martinez, because you could have had two bites there. He's right, not on strikes. the list. <laughs> He's not on the list at all. I think you just need to think about what would be some, I mean, without giving too much away, because I know Marley's going next, but what would be something that someone would go, what would be a reason why someone would Google a player? Everyone knows that Kevin De Bruyne and Mo Salah are great players in the Premier League. I don't think there's much we can learn about those players. So think of it that way, maybe. Right, Marley, you'll go. I've got two names in my head, and I'm going for the power of Korea by saying <laughs> Hyung Min Son. Hyung Min gone. Marley, that's three strikes. Nah. You are out of here. <laughs> He's Unlucky. Out. What? what? <laughs> are the Koreans not using Google? <laughs> they don't use Google, probably. <laughs> back to back, know. like <laughs> Jordan. 96, the other one I was going to say was Hoyland. Hoyland's not on there. Who's on this f-ing list? Well, Sean Longstaff. No, he's not on there. Do you want me to read the I've Googled gonna... him 100,000 times, so, you know. Let me read the list. Well, number... I was going to say Anthony next. No, not on there. Ugh, stick Better the list. Enough. Well, here we go. Number one on the list, because number two is Haaland, is Harry Kane. Right, so you said Premier League players, so I, did, I didn't go for, for Harry Kane. I said Premier League players in 2023. I was going to say Harry Kane. Well, you should have said Harry Kane because it would. But that, that's how I got to Son because I was like Spurs, Kane. Nah, Kane's gone, so I'll pick Son. Well, hey, well Harry Kane was the most searched with 143,028 monthly searches on Google so far this year. Darwin Nunez at Liverpool was third with 115,930. You yeah, already Google, touched upon. The Google search for that is why does he keep missing? <laughs> You've already touched upon Grealish, Rashford, and Maguire. Seventh was Phil Foden. Eighth was Raheem Sterling. Nine was Mason Mount. Ten was Gabriel Jesus. You mentioned Declan Rice. Twelfth, Enzo Fernandez. 
course, signed for Chelsea after the World Cup. So a big influx of searches for him. Thomas Partey, Ben White, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ivan Tony, of course, with a big scandal. Delhi Ali, you've already got Bukayo Saka. And the last two may well surprise you. I'll give you I'll give you a shot, actually. I'll give you a shot each. See if you can guess who 19th and 20th are on the list. Richarlison. Lukaku. 19th, with 43,000 searches. Joao Felix, of course, was on loan at Chelsea last year. And 20th, Jesse Lingard, with 41,568 searches. I forgot he was even a footballer. <laughs> well, 41,000 people a month don't wow. forget that he's a footballer. Well, I'll take the trophy <laughs> and run. I'll take I the feel like Marley shot himself in the foot there with the... Uh... How are more people Googling <laughs> Lingard than Salah? What's going on there? More people are Googling Ben White than Kevin De Bruyne, Hyung Min Son, and wow. <laughs> Mo Salah. The world's gone. <laughs> the world's gone, and so's Joel, gone with another victory in the quiz. Marley, I, I, this is the first time you've lost back-to-back. Well, it's the only two Joel have ever, uh, Joel's ever won, so <laughs> yeah, it must be. <laughs> Congratulations, Joel. Unlucky Marley. That is it for today's Football Social Daily. We'll be back again later this week. Hit subscribe and you won't miss the episode. Marley's off for a little cry. Joel's off for a little celebrate. And we'll see you next time on FSD. Catch you then. Football Social Daily is a voice works sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.